Welcome to the Worship Leader Probs podcast with your hosts, Jeremy and Mr. Probs. Look, worship leading can be one of the most rewarding areas of church ministry. But it can also feel like... I'm a worship leader. And I'm a production guy. And these are our problems. Welcome to episode 12 of the Worship Leader Probs podcast. Can you believe that? Number 12? Dude, I just did that so official. Did you hear that? It was it was like super official. It was like governmental. It was almost like doing the intro yet again. <laughs> so you, I, I'm going to apologize to everybody out there in our Worship Leader Probs nation. Um, I got a new mic uh, that I'm using to record the podcast. And so today I'm recording my podcast from home. And one of my cats, Wiley, that we always talk about is laying next to me. And he keeps purring so loudly, the mic is picking it up. <laughs> Man, I don't even know where to start with that. Um, there's a lot in that statement, but I just I want to apologize now. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, dude, Mr. Probs, how are you doing, man? You know what? I'm doing well. I just uh, I just crushed a Sunday nap. Ooh, um, nice. Man, it was so nice. So I'm in an area of the country that got hit pretty hard by snow this weekend. So, you know, Ooh. on top of the services and and shoveling and, you know, Mrs. Probs will be listening to this. And she did the lion's share of the shoveling because uh, she wow. she was not on the team this weekend. And I had to to go to church and, and uh, you know, brave the elements. But she was braving them at home, shoveling snow. Wow. Seven inches, man. So is she our MVP today? <laughs> She's the MVP in our house every day. Yeah. Well, it's been tough down here too, uh, here in Florida this weekend. Like right now it's 82 degrees outside. And unfortunately there's like a five mile an hour uh, wind and just a couple of clouds. I mean, it's tough, but you know, some of us are willing to pay the price for the kingdom. So. Unbelievable, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, dude, we uh, last week and this week we introduced a new song, and the people are loving it. What is it? Uh, yes, I will from Vertical Church. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, people are really getting into that one. We introduced that right before we made the uh, the, the transition to Christmas music, and uh, it's just so oh, wow. singable. And what a great oh, yeah. like declaration. And I like I like on the the verses. The the melody is just not super straightforward. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Like it's just so. Mm. You should sing some more. And we're of pretty it. certain. Sing some more of it no. for us. No, I mixed the singing. I don't actually do the singing. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. Um, but, and we're pretty sure that the original singer of the song is Thor. So, right. Cool. We did a meme about that. We did. And it was a good one. <laughs> Allegedly. Okay. What I've been told by the guys in vertical worship is they were in their like backstage area getting ready to come on for, to lead for one of their services at harvest and somebody f- saw it. <laughs> and yeah. So they all were laughing as they walked <laughs> out on stage. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, what I've heard is, is that that gentleman that sings that song and Thor have never yeah. been seen in the same room together. So, dude, it's, it is uncanny. It's craziness. It is. It sure is. He's got a good voice, too. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. How was your uh, re entry from your 3,200 mile uh, exodus 
dude, it, it was it was awesome. It's been good being back. Um, and then like this last Friday, it was awesome. We got to re- record the interview with the guys from MXU, who you guys are going to hear from today on the podcast. And they've been some personal heroes of mine. And so to get to do that was awesome. And then later that night, went and saw Hamilton. Boom. Wow. I've yeah. never seen Hamilton. Were you blown away? Ooh. I was. So I just started listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. Again, we had 3,200 miles in the car. And so mm. my wife um, was getting into it. And so I bet we listened to the entire soundtrack, which has to be close to three hours long, six full times, top to bottom. Holy moly. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was really cool, man. Nice. Was it lit when so, you saw it live? Was it lit? Isn't that what the kids are saying? Oh, it was super lit, dude. Super lit. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's been good. Um, one of the things that we we did, and it's been really interesting, is uh, we've always had three services at, at the church mm-hmm. I serve at. Mm-hmm. And so with just kind of our current climate, we decided to, after a lot of prayer and, and talking over it, we canceled our Saturday night service starting the first weekend in January. Like permanently canceled. Uh, we're not saying permanently. Mm-hmm. We're just saying in this season, mm-hmm. um, trying to kind of get everything onto one day. Um, and so it's been the craziest thing. Like last night I'm sitting at home and it's like getting close to being six o'clock. And I'm like, I have nothing to do right now. And after, for me, I, I've been serving here for 10 years and I've either played uh, in the worship team or been in charge of production for the last 10 years. And so being home, I, did, I literally felt like I was doing something wrong, but the craziest part of it all, the last two weeks, our attendance has been up. Wow. Hey, maybe that's the, isn't yeah. that crazy? That's awesome. That's there was awesome. a lot of concern. There are a lot of concern about, oh, are we going to lose people? And in in some ways, I know there. This is not a blanket statement, but there are some people that the Saturday night service, like it's the only service they can get to. Mm, but yeah. I think for a lot of people, it was more of a convenience. You mm-hmm. know, like hey, I can go get it done, and then I got all day Sunday to do whatever I'd like. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were really afraid to see how much would we lose. The first week, we hit budget, like. It was it was crazy, and the attendance was up like six or seven percent, and then we were up again four percent from last week. Man, that's great! So that's so great. Not crazy. Right? Saturday night is a uh, is a is a game changer. Just personally, if you're yeah. a, if you're a staff member, and and uh, if you have a Saturday night service, you know what we're talking about. Saturday night is a game changer, and even to people who serve on your team, and maybe they serve once a month. You know, I know yep. that that can be a, a challenge for them to give up that one Saturday night a month. But when you're doing it every single week, man, yeah. that's a game changer. Well, and I know, I know there's some of you that are, oh, well, at least you guys are getting paid, and you get, and I'm thankful I get to do that. But here's like the 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 part of it is because of working at the church, I have missed so many birthday parties for yep. family yep. members, family reunions. Like there's been so much I've had to miss because of serving at the church because, you know, even though our service is at six o'clock, I'm usually showing up around one thirty or two. So, and then my wife works full time. So we haven't had like full days off together in years. You yeah, know what I mean? That's, like that's, a, but, that's legit, man. That's a, that is a yeah. legit th- thing. And, and your weekend is one day. It, exactly. Um, and so like, you're right. It's hard to go see family. It's hard to, um, yeah, I mean, and look, we 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 get it. We we the, if you if you had to pass around a, a bag of problems, you'd probably take yours back at the end of the at the end of the circle. But um, yeah, it's just a it's an adjustment. You know, it's a part probably 
a part of the, uh, you know, like the glorious burden of ministry. That's right. That is right. So don't hear me being ungrateful for that. I was in a situation where we had enough things happening that it warranted needing that other service. That's not what I'm saying. I've done it with a smile for, for yeah, 10 years. Absolutely. But, absolutely. But, me, yeah, too, me too. Me too. Be, being on the other side of it, I'm going, whoa, I really, I missed a lot, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, just a crazy season. So ministry. That's right. That's why we say sometimes it can feel like, and it sounds like a car crashing. <laughs> so, well, hey, man, you want to jump into some MVPs? Absolutely. So this is, this is going to be one of my favorite MVPs, I think, because we have a, a daughter who has, okay. nom- who has nominated her mother, her father, and her sister. That's fantastic. How cool is that? Okay, so we got a note from uh, Hannah Claiborne, and uh, she wanted to uh, nominate really her whole family. Okay, so they serve at Central Baptist Church in Crandall, Texas. Okay, so uh, Hannah's dad, Mike, uh, he is the worship leader. He does choir. He does youth on Wednesday night. He does worship for them. Um, Her mom, she does like communications, like promotional stuff on the website, posters around the church and the church app. And, uh, you know, they end up being at the church a lot. They live 35 minutes away. And so they've got the commute and all that stuff. And, and also her sister, Abby Claiborne, uh, she runs lights every single week. She's only 15. Uh, she's so dedicated and, um, man, that, that, that is really awesome. That's a that is a family so cool. uh, experience. So to the entire Claiborne family, we salute you. We salute you. <laughs> that had to have been close. <laughs> is this what you mean in all your posts when you say, "Come on, fam"? <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> so to the Claiborne family, we say, "Come on, fam! Come on, fam!" <laughs> ain't no sp- ain't no spankies going on in the uh, Claiborne house, man. <laughs> no spankies over there. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for your service, guys. That's incredible. Okay, for the staff uh, MVP is Carly Fulmer. Okay, Carly is the worship leader at Calvary Baptist Church in. Now, in my in my part of the country, we would say New Orleans, but I know that's not how they say it in the, you know, down that's there. They say Nolens, I think is right. Nolens, right? Nolens, yeah. Louisiana. Uh, she gives her all every day for the ministry, and uh, just in the in the hopes that the congregation would have an incredible encounter with the Lord every Sunday. And she has a servant's heart, and. Uh, it's just sounds like Carly's doing a great job. So our staff MVP is Carly Fulmer. Woo! We salute. We you. salute you. <laughs> I'm just watching your face, and I'm just trying to move my lips when I see you do. So my, I'll be interested to see when, when we pull you, this in. When you do that, and you can tell that you're trying, you're trying to line it up. <laughs> oh, so man, hard. It's so funny. Ah. Uh, so, hey, guys, thank you so much for um, your service to the church. And so, hey, look, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, well, I want to have my MVP um, shared on the air with the worship leader problems, guys, it's super simple. All you got to do is go to info at worshipleaderprobs.com. 
and just send us a quick email. Give us their name, their Instagram handle, what they do at the church, and why you feel like we should recognize them on the air. And then you can also go to our website, info, or I'm sorry, just uh, at www.worshipleaderprobs.com. Uh, and we have an MVP page, and there's a little form you can fill out to to uh, send in your MVPs to us. You mixed you mixed all the all the internet jargon all together. Yeah. Good thing I'm the media pastor for my church, right? At info www dot. Yeah, that's funny. Yep, on the internets. Well, yeah, that's right. Am, you ever seen the movie, um, the internship? Oh yeah, that's a fantastic. Funny where he keeps where he's like got the where they're trying to come up with an app idea, and Vince Vaughn keeps talking. It's basically Instagram, and he goes <laughs> and he snap picture, and then you put it on the line, and the kid goes online. Yeah, that's what I said on the line. Online. He's <laughs> just keep saying on the line. No, no. On the line. Exchange a gram. Yeah, on the line. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, um, we got a cool segment we're going to go into. Uh, we, we do it every week. We call it prayer concerns. And typically, they would be, we'd have people submit what they get on their prayer cards at their church um, that are not typically prayer cards. They're always complaints. But today we did things just a hair differently. And so Mr. Probs went into the Instagram story and just asked, what's the craziest thing anybody's ever said to you in church? And we have just been inundated with some of the <laughs> funniest. It's crazy. <laughs> and I got to be honest too, not they're funny, but some of it's kind of heartbreaking too at yeah, the same time. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's another, it's, it's a come on fam moment. You know what it I mean? Is. Like, it is a come on fam. Man. So why don't we take a moment and recognize our prayer concerns? So we got there. I, I, I don't know how many we've gotten. Like the, the, the DMs have been blowing up like all <laughs> Great, afternoon. It's crazy. So um, I've got a couple I would like to share. And so what I, like he's, like Jeremy said, Uncle Jer. Uh, I asked, what is the craziest thing someone from church has said to you? All right. So here's the first one. Your job is to prepare people's hearts for the message, and you're not doing that because the music is too loud and you all sing too high. Your tones are not pleasing to the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Dude, you can't insult a man's tones. No. <laughs> Come on now. Come on, fam. <laughs> My tones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I, I have I have three. And here's number two. Okay. You really offended me by wearing flip-flops to the Ash Wednesday service. And then in parentheses it says, We live in Florida. <laughs> that's a true story though. Like, so obviously you guys know I'm based in Florida and when I used to play in the worship team and I would wear flip flops, I would, I would get yelled at by congregants. Come on. Are you serious? No. And I like, I live 10 minutes from the ocean. Like I'm on a, I'm in a beach town and there are still people that will complain that we're wearing sandals. But here's the quick, big question, dude. I don't know if you get this in, in, uh, in where you live because you know, you live in the frigid North, but how is it okay that women can wear sandals all the time? And they're dressy and cool. And they're like basically flip-flops. But yet when guys wear them, it's unacceptable. Well, here's what I would say to you. 
You know, a woman's foot can be, you know, elegant, stylish. A man's foot is like utilitarian, man. It's like <laughs> just for getting around. Like, it's yeah, like like a hobbit. Yeah, it's it's not our best feature. Yeah, well, speak for yourself. <laughs> mine aren't. I know mine aren't. No, I'm just kidding. Mine are terrible. Okay, so here's here's the number three. All right, let's hear it. This person was giving a song suggestion, and they asked a question. Have you ever heard of the artist Chris Tomlin? <laughs> wow. Oh, people. Man, you cannot... You you couldn't sit down and and create something from scratch that would be any better than the material that our church people give us every single day. I I just can't ever picture a situation where I would ever say something like that. Me neither, buddy. Like, and that's not oh. even just being a church guy. And it's just kind of a little bit how I'm wired. Like, I know there's some people that are just blunt, but goodness, man, mm, don't do it, man. If you're if you're a person who does that, stop. Shame on you. No, just kidding. No, but seriously, you're getting a spanky. You're getting a spanky. We just need to sick our friend Scott Longyear on him for some right. three punches. Right. Mm. So, well, hey, um, let's get into our last segment um, before we jump into episode one with the guys from MXU, um, and we like to call this portion of the podcast "Sliding into the DMs." So like you've heard us say just a million times, like the DMs for Worship Leader Probs, it's always full. And so a lot of times we just get questions about um, certain things in the church. How would you handle this? What do you do about this? And so uh, we like to answer some of those questions live on the air. And so Mr. Probs, what we got this week? And I, I love it. I love this has become like a community. And we said in one of the first episodes, we want to be the guys that you think about when you face yes. something in your church or something in your ministry, we want you to think about us, not because we have all the answers, but we can probably yeah. help you find the answer. And, uh, but what we're going to do is listen for sure. And, uh, you can, you can, you know, trust us. We're, we're, we keep things confidential and all that, but, um, I love this yep. community part of, of the account. So we, we have gotten this, uh, several, several times. And so, Here's the question. How would you address someone who is constantly on their phone during rehearsal? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's a challenge, right? So yep. why don't you go first? Yeah, so um I'm I'm not the guy. Like I've served with others that would, um, if some, if that was happening, he would just like pull the whole team together and just go, Oh, make a general announcement. I just go straight to the person and I'll just be like, Hey, I just noticed you're on your phone a lot. Um, and so sometimes it can be distracting with where we're at and what we're trying to do. You know, like I'm not saying don't be on your phone or anything, but like maybe if you know you like if if there's a phone call you needing to have or you need a text message that's really important, maybe give me a heads up on the front end just so that we know what's going on. But like if we could just get your full attention for an hour, hour and a half, how long your rehearsal is, you know, and then try in the most respectful way possible 
to um, let them know that when you're on your phone, like it's just showing that whatever you've got going on is more important than what everybody else has going on. And so I just would lovingly pull that person aside. Um, and I'd be interested to see what you do because I'm, I'm more of just a relational kind of fly by the seat of your pants leader and you've got more structure and stuff. Would this be something that maybe you would even put in like a covenant that you would have them sign that, Hey, when you come to rehearsal, we're going to ask that you put your cell phones away or so how would you deal with it? Well, the first thing I would probably do is I'd make a meme about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, you Um, would. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it would be, um, in, you know, we have, I've referenced this before and we need to figure out how to get this out to people, but we have these 15 values and somebody would might say 15, that's a lot. And I don't, I don't ask them to memorize it. And none of these are like require mathematics or anything like that. These are like common sense, relational, we're serving one another sort of things like, you know, like respect, uh, you know, respecting yeah. your team. First of all, you know, what you're, what you're doing when you serve on a worship team is you're serving the God who spoke the world into existence. That's right. Right. That, that ought to carry some weight to it for you. That is a very, uh, that is a very humbling, uh, thing to be a part of. And so, you know, it's respect for God, it's respect for church, it's respect for your fellow teammates. I mean, if it's an emergency and this happens, you know, not very often. I think that's one thing, but it sounds like the nature of this question was, you know, somebody who's constantly, so this is like a weekly or a very regular thing. Um, I yeah. would, I would definitely suggest, I, I actually probably would do both. I probably would go to the person and I find that, um, you know, people just because we say or write something doesn't mean that our people are going to remember it all the time. And so I I think we need to regularly keep these things in front of our our people. And so I probably would do a, you know, like a fireside chat, sort of a planning center email, or if you have a a team night event, which we have a couple of those a year, I'd probably just say, hey, you know, we're we're all like on social media. We're all doing a lot of stuff. Um, if we could, you know, just out of respect for our fellow teammates, let's, 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 you know, holster our, our phones while we're at rehearsal. Um, just, you know, none of us, I, you know, I always make the the covenant. I, with my, my folks, I will never, almost never keep you. Like if our rehearsal is scheduled from six to seven, I will almost never keep you to seven. Uh, if wow. we, we will get out as quickly as we can, and that's dependent on you on, that's dependent on how prepared you are. If you're prepared, yep. this rehearsal will not take long. Um, and so, you know, kind of in along those lines, let's just, let's all put our phones away for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, unless you're like the governor of a state or you're like holding some like <laughs> elected office where people are going to like, you're the police chief or something like that, where, you know, people yeah. are just constantly in need to, to get to you. Um, if, if it's not an emergency, just, just, it can wait, it can wait until after rehearsal. Well, and another thing I'd be curious of, um, cause I noticed uh, at the beginning when I, if I was on my phone too much during rehearsal, especially some of my high school kids, 
when they would watch, like if I was on my phone too much, they would be on their phone even more than I was. And so if they're on all the time, it it would make me wonder, take a look maybe at your own inventory of, oh, wow, am I on my phone touch? Because reality is, is leadership, whatever we do in moderation, our people are going to do in excess. So if they see us on the phone, really even at all, um, they're going to think, well, I have free reign to exactly. do whatever I He's want. He's doing it. So. If it's not a, pro- a yeah. priority to him, why should it be a mm-hmm. priority to me? Exactly. Yeah. So, well, that's good. I hope that I hope that helps you. Uh, if you ever run into those those kind of situations, and the bottom line, just love on. Yeah. You know, you don't have to come in with a with a hammer unless you. Sometimes though, people need like a velvet hammer. Yeah, velvet. You know hammer. what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> it's a little. It's kind of soft, but you know. But then it's also got some force behind it. So. Well, Mr. Probs, I am so excited for everyone to get to hear our interview with the guys from MXU. Um, they're going to introduce themselves here at the beginning of our time with them. But um, guys, okay, stop. If you're a worship leader right now in a church, and maybe maybe you're in a smaller to medium-sized um, where you're dealing with a lot of volunteer guys in audio and in production, these guys have so many resources that you can tap into that will, will help um, make your volunteers better. They have on-demand videos going, taking you through these uh, audio courses all the way from basic gain structure to the craziest routing and parallel processing you could think of. Um, these guys have created videos to take you through all of that. Um, they do these live events that you can send your teams to, and it's really reasonably priced. Um, and so, and then they also do some coaching, uh, to do some mentoring and things like that. And so, um, and I, here's the deal. They're not paying me to say any of this. And the reason I'm so passionate about what they do is I've been to two live events personally. I do the MXU, the MXU coaching and, um, I have the, the MXU, uh, on-demand library for my team. And so, um, it is helping to shape the culture of where I am at Pathway Church. And so, um, again, we're just super excited for you to meet the guys from MXU. Well, the Worship Leader Props Podcast, we're super excited to have the guys from MXU here with us. And so, hey, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having us, man. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. This is awesome. So could you guys just take a quick second and just introduce yourselves? Um, so like the Worship Leader Probs, like we're a production guy and a worship pastor kind of trying to have these conversations about the church. And so at this point, we've had all worship leaders on. And so your guys are our first production guys to, to join us on the show. So would you just take a second, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I'm Lee Fields. I'm the creative arts pastor at Bayside Church. So I kind of wear like the worship and the tech hat, but my background's tech. They won't let me on stage. Um, <laughs> I live in Northern California, so it's seven minutes past 8 a.m. right now, and that means I really like you, Jeremy. Yes, let's go. <laughs> so, I okay, I, I have to do this. I got to tell a quick story. So, like, Lee is actually the reason I wanted to get into mixing audio. Oh. Um, so, I had been in worship ministry for a long time as, like, the assistant to the worship pastor, and then I took over as the media pastor for our church. And um, so I'm pretty involved with the experience conference. Um, and so uh, one of my first years going to the experience conference, Lee was there mixing for Lincoln. And and like, it wasn't the best PA that year. And like the mixes had been just kind of like, okay, like, but not great. And so Lincoln gets up there. This is my first time here in Lincoln. And um, at first I'm like, okay, that that's better than what I've been hearing. I don't know what he did, but there was a moment. Like, I don't know if he like engaged a magic compressor or did something, but the drums just opened up and got huge. 
And I was like, I don't know what he did, just did, but I need to learn to do that. And so ever since then, hearing his mix by the end, it, it was the best mix I had ever heard in person uh, to that point. And uh, yeah, so dude, you were a huge influence on me wanting to get into this world um, and be as serious about it because I was like, I didn't know you could do something like that. So, well, that's awesome. Appreciate it. But all I did was just hit play on the CD because the PA that they bought in the outlet store <laughs> sucked that day. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yep, yep. So, but, but thanks. But yeah, yeah, dude. So, I'll go next. Sure. I was trying. I was just sitting here trying to think of some snarky comment to make about Lee's mixing, and I couldn't come up with anything. So, good morning, Lee. Um, my name is Jeff Sandstrom, and I am. Uh, let's see, I'm not on staff at a church, and have never been. So it's a little strange for me to be among a bunch of church staff guys. Um, but I have been uh, for my whole career um, involved with what's happening at North Point Community Church. Um, up until a year ago when we moved from Atlanta to Greenville, South Carolina, actually this past summer. So um, in those years, though, I did spend a lot of time serving at North Point and uh, working with Passion and their conferences since 2005. And then from 2007 to 2016, I was the front of house engineer for Chris Tomlin and uh, traveled around the world, kind of helping him with all of his live audio production and mixing for him. So then awesome. uh, that led to, gosh, working with these guys for MXU and just kind of trying to bring what we're trying to do. What I love about what you guys are doing, though, is that one of our core values and something that's really kind of near and dear to me is this idea of how to build a bridge between the booth and the stage. Yes. Because there's a lot of times there's this gulf and there's this tension between what happens on stage mm. and what happens mm. in tech world because we don't speak the same language a lot of times. You know, yep. we have uh, different ideas of where the vision is, if there is a common vision at all. So we're trying to really help kind of bridge that gap. So we're just grateful to be here today to kind of have some of that conversation. So thanks for having us. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. Hey, I'm Andrew Stone. So I'm the one in our MXU plan that anchors us because I'm in the center of the United States. I'm in the flyover part of the United States. So, you know, I kind of bridge the gap between lee and jeff here and you know as we pull it all together um i was a man i was a road guy um starting back in 1990 and i was in first grade then that's first grade so (laughs) now you can figure out kind of my age perfect thanks lee sweet but that was uh what i had been planning to do that was what i was going to do a career road guy and i started out as a musician and i mean that was where i was going and uh, 2005, that all changed, and I kind of embraced uh, my first opportunity to work in a church, and that, that's kind of just changed the way I do everything, the way I approach everything. So, I serve my day job, I guess, is I serve um, as the production director here at Church on the Move in Tulsa, so right smack dab in the middle, and um, and that's that's what I do. I I we have a, a very, very big production focus. And that started in 05 when that wasn't quite the big thing you do in church. Um, but mm-hmm. that's kind of was the charm for me and yeah. it was, wow, I can do what I did on the road all this time and I can do it in church and we can, we can try to make church better. And that was enticing to me. Um, little did I know that it would probably affect 
it affected me much more than I had an effect on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, from having to understand what it's like to just work in ministry. I had never, I'd never done that. I'd always worked for ministries, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so that's given me a unique perspective um, these last 14 years or so of how we do what we do and how we bring production to what we do and how we merge that with uh, the creative arts and the musical arts and, and the, with the message and all that. So um, he talks about bridging the gap between the booth and the stage. And it's, it's literally that every single day is how can you make sure that what is a very technical um, area by design can be spiritual and fruitful by pastoring these situations. You know, a technical situation usually go that wouldn't need pastoring, but you find out that it very much does. So yes, um, that's, that's been a unique challenge and a very interesting way to adapt a, a, a foundation of being a rock and roll road guy, whatever into how do you transition that to be a church guy? Mm. Yeah, um, but it's cool. It's it's good. So I think uh, that's been a unique perspective that the, the three of us all have a very unique perspective on that, which is probably part of one of the charms of uh, why the MXU model has been working. So, yeah. Um, and Andrew's the only guy I've met so far that mixes so well that grown men would cry. Um, <laughs> at this year, I went to the uh, MXU in Orlando. And at the end of the the the, the session we had together, uh, Andrew mixed some tracks of Lee's from Lincoln's, mm. and I was looking around the room, and there were some dude. Now that song is super powerful, right? But the way that Andrew treated that song, dude, there were grown men with tears in their eyes wow. in that moment. That it was it was amazing. I so. was I was one of them actually. <laughs> yeah, me oh, too. So was I. I, I was absolutely that guy. It's but actually I'm also, a, it's become kind of a special moment uh, doing that. I don't think I don't think we plan that Lee that wasn't our goal in fact our, our goal when we started that was let's all mix a song of each other's just for fun let's just see what happens without yeah. any context or any any reasoning just we each sent a bunch of tracks to one another and said here have your way with it and that happened to be that one um, and but but let's be honest after we heard you do that then the two of us quit trying to do any of that with your tracks <laughs> That's and true. just let, let you kind of go for it. Because, you know, at first I thought it was, it was because fun. I'm getting old and as I get old, I just start leaking. So I figured, you know, <laughs> that was just my sort of ex- expelling tears was just sort of one of those moments. But no, You're it was so sensitive. It was That's a true awesome. emotional moment. I'll, I'll cry That's at the drop of a hat. That's You're, cool. You guys, you guys know me. It's good. You give me the right grocery store commercial at Thanksgiving, and I'll cry. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm a bit of a me wuss, too. though. I, I've admitted I watch like when calls the heart with my wife and stuff. So, <laughs> I'm not, we'll, we'll get you therapy for that. <laughs> There's right. many people that would like I to can't, try. I so. can't do the like sappy movies though. Like last night, I crawled into bed, and there's some movie and. I don't know what it was. Susan Sarandon dies halfway through and leaves the daughter or whatever. That'd be, oh, step, uh, that'd be stepmom. Stepmom. Step. Julie Roberts. Oh. Well, like, what the heck? Like, this is just <laughs> awful. So then I just look at my phone for three hours until that's over. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But that scene when Julie Roberts says, you know, every wound 
It's just, you know, it's a moment. Jeff, Jeff, you, you can tell, right, now? right now. You can so tell that Jeff lives in a house of women. It's true. I'm yeah. surrounded by girls. <laughs> yep. And that that's my life. Um, it's just my wife and I, we don't, we don't have any kids. But then my sister-in-law lives here and she's got two kids and they're both girls. And so it's like, I'm always just surrounded by females. So it's awesome. All right. So guys, we, we do this thing with all of our interviewees. We call it the Frank five and it's just five questions we're going to throw at you. And you guys just kind of can take turns with each question. Um, and so like we ask you guys, just be as honest as you're be willing to be. Some of the, the questions are a little silly. Uh, some are a little more serious. And uh, have so, you heard our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> the, the big, the big question is, is, is cursing allowed? And if not, do you have the bleep button on the yeah, ready? I do I'm need to have we that can, handy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we can do that uh, unnecessary censorship. Yeah, that'd be funny. <laughs> Someone does that to us. That's hilarious. Well, when we first started the podcast, um, like I was telling you guys, we're keeping Mr. Probs, uh, who he is, secret. I accidentally said it a couple times, and rather than edit out, we just thought it'd be funny if I just put the beep in. And so it just sounds like all of a sudden I'm cussing. So. I, I love it. Well, and spoiler alert, our upcoming podcast release episode has some necessary censorship in it. So you're going to, for those <laughs> guys who are wait. listening to this, who also listen to right. that, just it's, get it's your, quite, quite epic. Oh, get ready. Buckle it's hilarious. <laughs> Let's go. All right, Mr. Probs, you want to start them out? Absolutely. And, and just from a worship guy's perspective, thank all of you um, for that mission of trying to build the bridge. That, that is such a need. And uh, thank, thank all of you for what you're doing to, um, to help nudge the rest of the church world along. I know, uh, Andrew, I've been to Seeds Conference and um, just sat there. First of all, I wanted to quit ministry when I watched all the stuff that was happening. I was like, this is not ever going to happen at my church. I'm out. Um, but it was just so powerful. So thank you guys all for what you're doing It's awesome uh, to help nudge the church along. So if you could, question number one, just take a quick second, each of you, and maybe tell us about uh, your your journey. What led you? You you've done that a little bit already, but um, you know, growing up, all that. What led you to to get into what you're doing now? Let's we'll just go in the same order, I guess. Does that work? Sure, that works. Yeah. Okay, so I, I feel like I was destined to work in church. I feel like one of those unique tech guys who like had a clear calling on his life. Like I remember family members growing up 10, 11, 12 years old, like telling me like, Lee, there's calling on your life. You're going to go into ministry. And the types of church I grew up in were kind of wacky. So it was a bit like, is this real? Or is this like the weird lady who just fell over who didn't really fell over? It was like that kind of <laughs> church. So I questioned that a lot all through my teenage years and even my 20s. But looking back on it now, it's like I, even when I was touring and like doing cool stuff with like, you know, mediocre Christian rock bands. I still in my mind was going one day I'll end up working at a church. I just knew it. I think this is, I'm just doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So it wasn't a, it wasn't really strategic to get into it, but I just feel like God just has like plucked me out of things and put me exactly where I'm supposed to be. It's been really interesting. And then I'm really, really passionate about teaching and helping people. So mm -hmm. Whether that was at conferences or trade shows or, you know, anything like that. And then I'm also a maximizer. I'm like, I look at everything, like, how can I make it better? And I think that's how MXU has started. Like, the three of us were teaching at trade shows and conferences. 
and they all suck and we all hated all of them because we weren't in charge and we weren't deciding how it should actually be. <laughs> so we're like, well, by gosh, let's start our own. So here we are. And uh, I'm a musician also. So I think like most tech guys, especially audio guys, for some reason, like you start being a musician and then you realize yeah. that if you actually want to get paid for this, you have to get behind the soundboard, not in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did that and um, I, I have always still bent towards music. I just love music. I'm I'm a musician, even though I don't actively play, you know, every single week anymore. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what's brought me now, like creative arts pastor. Like I don't I don't lead worship and I don't do those things, but those guys are all on my team. And now I like I'm in like the best season ever right now at church. Mm-hmm. It's stinking awesome um, with MXU. The things that are going, we're just all blown away by it. So. That's the Reader's Digest version of how I got here. Awesome. Dude, isn't it funny? I started out kind of the same way, like playing every weekend for like seven years in our church. And then I got behind the console. You couldn't pry me away from the console to put me back on stage. Right. Like I would would rather be behind there than up up front with a guitar any day. Yeah. And I still mix and I still question myself mixing. Like I'm the creative arts pastor of a church, a, a bunch of campuses and a big team. And I'm still behind the console. And, and then I go like, should I be making way for like these young guys? I'm like, nah. <laughs> that's what campuses are for. That's what, yeah, that's what those are for. So I don't mix on weekends a lot. I just like all the cool stuff I still want to do. But it's like, yeah. and these guys can tell you like, I get bored super easy. Like I'll start something and not finish it. And then I just go on to the next idea. And I'm a total starter activator except for mixing it's the one thing in my life other than my family who i don't want to like walk away from and start something new and start over wow i just Mm -hmm. keep coming back to mixing and i could do it every day the rest of my life it's the only thing that's like that yep awesome dude thanks for sharing awesome that's awesome that's cool well excuse me my uh my story is similar in a lot of ways you know i think there's a common theme i guess with all of us that you know, especially as we look back, you know, I'm always reminded of that proverb that says, we make our plans, but God directs our steps. You know, as we mm-hmm. look back at the time, you're thinking, how, how's this randomly happening to me? And then you look back and you go, oh no, that was God directing the path. So I started, uh, I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor, a minister of music. They called it at the time because there were no worship leaders back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a pretty, um, a pretty standard, you know, piano and organ, choir kind of church. Um, but we would always do kind of bigger productions at Christmas and Easter. And so I was always a part of that and was a musician. Um, I actually went to college uh, at University of Michigan to... Whoa, let's go. Yeah, go blue, baby. Go blue, baby. Um, to uh, study trumpet. So I was a trumpet major. And uh, they don't tell you at the time when you sign up for those things that there really aren't any jobs in orchestras. You know, it's like, hey, come and study all this and be a classically trained musician, but good luck finding a job. So I got to about the end of my sophomore, beginning of my junior year, and guys who were older than me who could play circles around me were getting out of school, not getting jobs. And so I thought, I need to find another area of interest where I might be able to still be in music, but have half a chance of making a living. So Michigan at the time had just started a music technology program they built a recording studio. So I took a couple of recording classes, a couple of MIDI classes, and just kind of got bitten by the production bug then. So kind of like Lee, I said, you know what? It's going to be 
probably more fun and more fruitful for me to be on the other side of the glass doing this. So I got out of school, still got my degree in performance, but with the idea of um, pursuing a career in the studio. So I got a job in Atlanta um, working for a company that produced um, character education programs for schools. It was like uh, assembly programs that would go into elementary schools and teach kids character. So I was supervising the music production for that company. Um, And come to find out, the guy who owned and ran the company himself had no character. So we're teaching kids about responsibility and honesty and integrity. And he thinks, you know, paying taxes is optional. So didn't really uh whoa whoa whoa, whoa wait wait what'd you say <laughs> yeah so the company necessary uh you know obviously didn't last very long and neither did my job but through that i made a bunch of connections at at a particular studio in atlanta that just happened to be the studio where not only all of our stuff was being recorded but when north point first started it was the studio that was used for all of the tracks for their first kids' music, and oh, wow. so wow. Um, I don't know if any of you, any of your listeners, know um, or remember the name Reggie Joiner, but he was one of the six that started North Point. And at the time, the kids' ministry at North Point was some of the most innovative stuff happening. And so I was around all of that stuff when it was being produced, and was engineering some of those sessions and being around Reggie and caught the vision of what North Point was going to be. And this was before the building was built. So this was like, wow. you know, 97. And um, I met my wife uh, at the time. Reggie actually married us. Um, so anyway, all the, all the tracks that were used at North Point to teach kids about honesty and integrity and responsibility and all those virtues that became kind of the kids' ministry of North Point, um, it, was an, it was actually a, a healthy kind of productive way to do some of the same stuff I'd been doing. So it was just like God went, you know what? You should be doing this, but not with these people. You need to be doing it with with North Point. So hmm. that led to um, producing a bunch of records uh, in the studio for me. And I was fine in the studio. Like I, I loved it and I loved the meticulousness and the time and the um, the care that you could take in, in figuring out tonality and building a mix and, you know, just okay, how can we add to this? How can we think about this process and sort of whittle down the essentials of this song? Because at the time, you know, it was analog tape. We were cutting to two-inch, tra- uh, 24-track two tape. And so by the time you take out click and time code, you've got 22 tracks where you've got to basically fit your band into this. So we would record the rhythm section on tape and then do overdubs and vocals and stuff, background vocals on ADATs, sync it all together to mix. So my first wow. editing was literally with a razor blade, cutting and pasting tape. So to go from that journey all the way through digital recording and Pro Tools and just the transition from how much you need a commercial recording studio to now basement studios, bedroom studios, laptop recording, it was, it was like there was this transition for me of, okay, being in the studio every day to, oh no, what's going to happen when there's no longer a studio here. Mm. Um, Mm. But during that time, my sort of experience with live mixing kind of was able to bridge that gap because of mixing for events at North Point and getting involved with uh, passion and other things. So that's when I met Chris was um, really around 06, 07. 
Um, and at the time, his his front of house guy was leaving to go be the in-house monitor engineer at the Grand Old Opry. He's oh, actually wow. he's actually still there. Um, and so I was mixing a conference um, around that time, and Chris asked me if I would come and take Mark's place. And I said, no, you know, I was fine in the studio. My daughter was nine months old at the time. And I said, you know, I, my family didn't sign up for me to be on the road. So thanks, but no thanks. So he said, well, just come and fill in for some dates that we already have booked and, until we find a replacement for Mark. So nine and a half years later, we finally found Mark's replacement. And uh, <laughs> so I was, I was on the road with Chris for about 730 some shows, uh, nine, nine and a half wow. years, 30 countries. And uh, it, it's funny. It just kind of like what Lee said. It's like, you know, it was always kind of the calling for me to, um, to help facilitate, you know, what the guys on stage were trying to communicate and try to build environments that are engaging and relevant. And, you know, that was the big thing about North Point for me is back at the beginning, you know, it was, it was an experience like I never thought church could be, right? It was mm-hmm. using what's, using what's cultural to teach what's relevant and timeless. And that was, that was a unique thing for me so much so that, you know, my faith and my engagement and my, um, you know, my pursuit of what God had for me was just really, really turned up in a way that never happened to me growing up. So, um, you know, when I look back both for what happened to me in my marriage and my spiritual growth and my professional growth, it's like, man, I'm so grateful that North Point happened when it did, that that Chris's kind of rise to notoriety happened when it did. I mean, it was just a coalescing of factors that now has enabled me to um, bring that heart for bringing that vision to people and to be a teacher and to be a coach and to be, um, you know, to partner with these guys with the MXU stuff and, and really just kind of be an influence among production guys. And I'm, mm. I'm really grateful. Wow. Wow. Awesome. It's awesome. Okay. Can I tee up stone? Cause his yes. entrance into what he did is doing is my favorite story by far. Well, I'm hoping cause I've, I've been, I've listened to every episode of your guys' podcast multiple times. I always feel like he's so mysterious about what he did in the past. He is. <laughs> he never wants to talk about it, but no, I'm going to make him tell the story of sneaking onto the tour. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited right now. Bring it. Okay. My, uh, that's great. Um, you know, when you, you raise, you raise kids or you raise a, you bring up a staff or you, you, you extol quality virtues on, people that you're around or whatever. And generally uh, you say, Hey kids, lying is not good. You don't, you don't get anywhere from that. That's something you shouldn't do, etc. That's bull crap. Cause I totally <laughs> lied my way into an amazing career. <laughs> so just kids keep on lying. Do it. It works. Papa Andrew. Do not listen to Uncle Andrew kids. <laughs> Um, so, so I had, um, I was a musician and, and I think that's a common thread for the three of us. I was a musician, grew up a musician. My, my mom forced me to play piano, uh, even when I didn't want to, but, but I thank her now for that because it 
gives you such a great foundation and reading music and all that stuff. Um, but somewhere, uh, somebody mistakenly left a drum in our attic. So my dad's at fault there. And I found it one time, you know, cause they always send the kids up to the attic to get all the crap and all that stuff. And I found this drum and I'm like, Whoa, what is this? And it totally pushed me on that way. So I started playing drums. Like be, they became a, my life. I don't know, you know, 11 or 12 or 13 or somewhere in there. And that's really what I pushed through to do. And I mean, I, I ended up, I was just going to become God's gift to drumming. That's what I say. Cause that was the <laughs> only thing in front of me. Uh, so there's that, but then my, my dad was a, was a, was a, a really good, uh, engineer and he, he would do stuff at church and around and all that. And I would always go with him, uh, as he would do audio and technical stuff. And I mean, he taught me how to solder. And for me, it was just, this is just something you go do to hang out with dad. Yeah. Never thinking that was, had anything. Cause I mean, I'm going to be a drummer. And so anyway, I, I ended up going to college, um, uh, at Oral Roberts university, oddly enough in Tulsa, there is no relation to me living here now. And what I did then, that was a one-off. Wow. But I got done with school and, and drumming but the way I was actually making money to, to to live was doing audio engineering. Just simple, stupid crap. N- nothing notable. Um, you know, speakers on sticks and, you know, just whatever. AV. It was more AV stuff. But I happened to be uh, in the arena there on campus. And at the time here in Tulsa, that was the only really arena in town. Big arena. And a uh, a Christian artist what had uh was doing rehearsals in that arena for a couple weeks so that's pretty cool if you're on staff at the arena they you're kind of in shutdown mode i mean you've got a client in there that's all self-contained so you know you just it's like when everybody has to either take vacations or do maintenance or whatever and uh i was just walking around i was walking through the hallway one of the big hallways around the the you know, the, the main concourse. And I hear in the visiting production office, I hear someone on the phone and I full on stopped in my tracks and just stood outside the door and full on eavesdropped. So when they say eavesdropping is not good either, screw it, do it, <laughs> do it all day long. And I heard this conversation of, uh, yeah, they were letting the monitor guy go uh, today and they didn't really know how they were going to fill that position. It was sounded like kind of a sudden thing, uh, you know, cause they needed, you know, the tour started soon and I, just this whole conversation happening. And I'm sitting out there listening, eavesdropping, um, going, what the crap? And it was like an out of body experience. I was watching this happen go. And I was just saying, I wonder if I walked in there and was so bold to just say, I'm the guy. And just like, I wonder what would happen. And I'm like, now I'm not cool now by any means, but like I was King dork then <laughs> I had not, I didn't have any nothing. I mean, I, I had a passport and stuff, but I mean, it was like, I've, I've shared it with, I think I've shown these guys the photo and I mean, I'm King dork. And so I see myself doing this. And I'm like, I would never do that. There's no way I'd walk in there and just tell that guy. So I'm just standing there in anonymity outside the doorway, eavesdropping, 
And all of a sudden, this guy who was on the phone is all of a sudden in front of me, looming in front of me. He's like this seven foot tall Danish guy with long blonde hair. And some, I guess I blacked. I don't know. He's appearing. He's in front of me. He's like, can I help you? And I'm just sitting there going, oh, crap. Um, <laughs> and I just, the words came out of my mouth. Uh, I hear you're looking for an audio engineer. And he's like, yeah. Uh, you know anything about in-ears? That was a question. Now, so let's go back to figure out what age Lee was in uh, 19, this was 92, I think. Uh, what month? Oh, crap. Uh, I don't know. Let's say it was March. Seven. <laughs> okay. In-ear monitors were brand new then. There was a guy who some of us may or may not remember named Marty Garcia who had created a company called Future Sonics um, which has gone on to become the biggest name in in-ears in the world uh, he had created in-ear monitors you know little monitors but in your ear and well, now we take it for granted but they were brand new they were all like FM wireless or VHF wireless wow um, so this tour was using that was it was cutting edge and I had no idea what the guy was talking about. So, yes, yeah, so you know how to use inner monitors? And I, out of my mouth, I'm like, frick, yeah, I got, I, know, I do it all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> had you ever even heard the name before? Inner Never monitors? heard the name. Didn't even know what we're talking about. I don't know anything about what it is, but he asked the question. I mean, he, if he said, do you poop in your hands and rub it in your hair? I would have said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would have agreed to anything he said. So, um, so I just whatever said it that. takes, man. Whatever it takes. Two twenty, two twenty one. Whatever it takes, man. So I I say that, and at the same time, just going, oh frick, you can't undo that because if you undo it, you're immediately a liar, or if you undo it, now you immediately whatever chance you might have had is gone. So I just had to sit there in my own filth and just like, okay, well this is probably going to be the beginning of a long litany of lies here to get myself if I really want to do this. And he asked some other questions, I'm sure, but I was blacked out because I was trying to, you know, all the blood rushes to your head because you're trying to get, how am I, okay, how I got to start keeping track of the lies now because I'm going to have to live this lie. So long story short, if you can do rehearsals that night, now remember I have a job. I have a sal, my first salary job. This is what, I was doing. If you can do rehearsals tonight with the band and entertainer and musicians and background singers and all that stuff, and they like you, cool. Yeah, that's it's good. Now that's really so, all so they're he not, says. They're not just starting rehearsal. They're like in full blown production. Mode. They were there for it was actually a three week residence that they were in there doing their full because it was a, a world tour. They were in there. I I hadn't really thought about this. I didn't know this at the time. This was their last day of rehearsal. And I didn't, that's why the guy was on the phone. He's like, it's the last day of rehearsal. So then he's, so I'm like, he says, is that center right with you? So, you know, you can go on out there. There's no one here. Crew call is until like one o'clock. Uh, rehearsal starts at six and uh, you could go get familiar with the gear, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it's all out there. He's just assuming that I, I've guys, I've never toured before at all. I mean, I've done shows like in a van and trailer and stuff, but I mean, I've never toured to this level at all. I don't know what a Verilite is, and the tour was sponsored by Verilite. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything. This console was a was made by Panasonic. It's called the Ramza um, 840, SR840. Never seen one in my life. Never. I mean, nothing like that. I mean, I'd seen. I a didn't Mac-y even know they made consoles. <laughs> so they were using a. They had a full band and singers and all this stuff plus all ADAT track playback. Uh, three of them all slaved together. I mean, it's all this technology that I'm just going, what the crap is all this stuff? <laughs> so long, I go out there. Well, the cool thing is the console's laid, dialed in. I mean, they've been rehearsing for three weeks. So that's done. All the belt packs and stuff are all laid out on top of a couple of road cases. So I, I kind of am like, okay, these are belt packs. I don't have in-ears. I, nobody does. Like, I'm just having to use crappy old Sony over-the-ear headphones. <laughs> All that to say, did the rehearsal. I don't think I used the bathroom for probably a, about a week because I'm just like <laughs> so freaking nervous. We get done with the we get done with the uh, rehearsal, and I'll I haven't told you the entertainer's name. So this is some may not know, but big big Christian entertainer at the time. The the one of the biggest entertainers actually. Period, and it happened to be a Christian entertainer, but it was Carmen. Yes. Yeah. That just makes the story so much better. <laughs> oh my goodness. So that's it. So I we do the rehearsal, we get done. Carmen walks over and uh and the tour manager's out there, you know, and he's like, So how Carmen had it go? And Carmen looks at me and he's like He said can I call you? This is the first thing he says to me. Like all night, he's just giving me signal. I'm just trying to follow and, and mix like musically. All I know how to do is just mix like musically because I'm a musician. He loved it because of that. It wasn't technical. And I'm like the least wow. technical guy. Actually, I think the three of us are all pretty non-technical, but I totally abhor all that stuff. I don't know a lot about it. I don't care. Uh, I think the red lights look pretty, so I like making them light up. <laughs> I don't care. It says OD next to him. I, that's cool. I don't know what that means. Um, overdrive, I'm told, but that feels like it sounds better that way. Um, he, he said, "Can I, can I call you Andy?" Oh, he said, "Can I?" He said it this way, "Can I call you Andy?" And again, I'm like, just like a continuing the lies. The yeah, like I'm continuing the lies. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I hate people call me that. You don't get to call me that ever. But I'm like, yeah, sure. You can throw poop at me, whatever you want. I mean, this is great. And he's like, yeah, if I can call you that, it's all good. He was trying to be funny, and I'm just kind of sitting there, king dork, going, uh, okay. <laughs> Tour manager looks over and goes, okay, that's great, man. Well, uh, if you can be over at the offices uh, in the morning, we'll get everything good going. Bus call is tomorrow night at midnight. And I'm just sitting there going, what? And you What's, had never been on a tour bus. Never been on a tour bus. I asked him if I needed to bring a sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, come on. I mean, that's just like, what an idiot. So later on in life, so that guy is the only person I would ever say was a true mentor to me. And wow. I didn't even know what that meant then. But we went on to work with each other for many, many years. He told me later... We're somewhere in Europe doing some other band, and he told me later that uh, 
he totally knew I was a lion piece of crap just right there in the <laughs> hallway. He knew it. And here's why he didn't call me on it. He said, if you stood there looking the way you did, meaning I was a dork, looking the way you did, and you were ballsy enough to lie to my face that you knew something about in-ears. He said, I knew that we were the only tour that had in-ears. There's nobody had any experience with this. So you had to have been a liar. If you were ballsy enough, though, to lie to me, then you were probably ballsy enough to hang with that artist out there because he's not easy to work for. Hmm. And, and wow. he's not. He's ter- he's, he was not easy to work for. Let's put it that way. And later, and I'm just sitting there at some cafe with him just going, crap. He saw right through my veil of lies. <laughs> I'm just picturing like a Dolph Lundgren with the mullet. Is that? Yes, exactly. Bro, to me at that moment, he was so that. I, just I have, Ivan Drago. Guys, I have some pictures and I, you will. That is a very good image. I have a picture of he and I standing at LAX one time and it looks like I'm standing with like this, you know, Greek God dude. And so, you're wow. like, how tall are you? You're like six four, six five, six four, and I feel very small next to him. Wow! Yeah. Wow! So, so you so lied your way onto the Carmen tour. I lied my way on. So, but that spawned everything. Within two weeks, I'm in the biggest um, arenas and stadiums in the world, going all yeah. over the world, doing things I never knew anything about. I didn't know anything about chain motors, rigging stuff. I didn't know any of that. And I came off that two years, a completely seasoned vet with tons and tons and tons of mixing experience. Wow. And tons of personal experience of just how to handle that. So lying pays guys lying completely pays off. It's really great. (laughs) Let that be the lesson. But, but in all seriousness, that, that spawned, that that made me look at things differently. Now I hadn't given up my dreams of playing a musician. I was, I figured this was a great detour, a, a great way to make money, see the world, get an early start. Cause I was very, very young, far younger than most people would be to get that kind of opportunity. Um, but somewhere over time, I, I think God started working with me, working on my heart to start understanding what actual skills I had that could benefit others instead of just, you know, the drumming thing for me and being a musician was something that was, was very much benefit was I was doing and I was thinking about to benefit me. Well, I could be this and I could do this with that and I could be so great and I could, wouldn't it be great if I could do something so, so and so, but going into the production world, that's not how you, you have zero. Like I can't go mix nobody. I mean, you have to be serving somebody in order to have something even to do. Yeah. And it cha- started changing my heart and my attitude a little bit about just what I'm even doing this for. So that that started that journey, uh, you know, 2005, as I said earlier, I, I started as a church guy. And I think that didn't complete the journey. It's just been another chapter because yeah. I had that first year or two, I had to sit here and be this, what had become this road guy. And I had developed this identity as Andrew, the touring guy. And I had to very much, um, realize that I have to, I have to figure out how to serve in a real way. 
Mm. Like I have a lot to say and a lot, a lot of knowledge and I, I can lead teams and I just have the knack for that. I know how to inspire and all that, but I have to remember that serving is why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with my t- skills behind the console, which I'm like, I'm like these guys, the one thing in life that I do, um, that I can do all day long and just enjoy it is mixing. There's a, there's a skill and a craft there that, that make my heart go and my mind go together like nothing else. Yep. But beyond all that, beyond all the skill, beyond all the traveling, beyond the four or five full passports of, of stamps and all the world travel and all the millions of miles, and all, it doesn't freaking matter because I have to be able to serve first. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting that I look at this now. I'm, this has been 29 years of doing this since those crazy days of lying my way onto whatever. But I, I get to that point and go, man, if I would have known then what I know now that it's all about mm-hmm. serving and all about how we serve each other and how we look at each other and how we bridge that gap between what we do in technical versus the stage and all that. That's the journey. Mm-hmm. That's been the journey for me. And I feel like even some days even for as long as I've been doing it, I'm still going, I'm just a novice at how to even explore that. I'll get around some other people or I'll hear something one of these guys says um, in, in, in our live events or just as we're doing life together and it'll blow me up. I'll be, man, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think about that way to, to serve better or to, um, to honor my pastor more or to understand their plight more, but it's, it's been, it's been an interesting background. So, um, I guess that perspective carries over into, uh, everything I do now. I mean, I, I travel a lot. We all travel a lot. We do a lot of stuff that's all over the place, but I come back home and serve at a church in Tulsa a big one. We do stuff on a big scale, a lot going on, a bunch of campuses, all that stuff. But, but I fly back to Tulsa. I mean, that's, that's humbling right there. in it's in its own right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're flying home. Great. Flying home to the dust bowl. Uh, okay. That's good. But it reminds you why you're doing it and that you're doing it to, to serve, you know, the greater good and all that. So, um, I guess if, I guess if lying, uh, helped me get there, you know, then, you know, great. I don't know. All right, Mr. Robs, can you see now why I just have like straight up man crushes on these dudes? I totally can. And in fact, before this, we interviewed them, I said to Jeremy, Hey man, I, you know, I'm not a a tech like guru. I don't understand a lot of it. And so I'm going to let you drive this. And one of the things I appreciated about them is, is they certainly they can talk gear and, specifics like nobody else but they know what they're here to talk about is something a little bit different than that and that was you know leadership and team building and serving and man these are all just basic ministry um and you know breaking down the wall between the stage and the booth Man, I Oof. I absolutely loved this, and I I know we've had some messaging with them since the interview. We we will we need to try to have them on again. Man, it was just outstanding. 
Yeah. And so you can check out their website. It's mxu.rocks. And so in episode two, they're going to go a little deeper uh, into the things that they offer through MXU. But I, I, I talked about a little bit in, the, in the, the second part of the interview, but it was just really important to us. I wanted you to hear their hearts before you see what they have to offer. Um, because if, if, if you hear what you've heard out of them, um, now take what they know of the leadership and then apply that to the, the technical side. And uh, there's just a lot that they, that they can offer. And so, okay. Absolutely. You are now at the end of episode 12 of the podcast. And let's be honest, it was pretty good, right? Mr. Probs, it was pretty good. I think, I think it was a winner. I, I think it was pretty good. So here's what we want you to do. In a moment, you're going to hit pause. And then you're going to go to wherever you're listening. Maybe you're listening to it on Stitcher right now. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts. Maybe you're in the Google Play podcast app. Maybe it's TuneIn Radio. Can you wherever do this in the, Google, in the Google Hangs? You know, I've never been in a Google Hang. I'm not cool enough. I'm always hanging out at Starbucks. <laughs> me neither. So. Me neither. But we want you to stop. And we want you to go. And we want you to rate us five stars. And we want you to subscribe. Um, because, again, um, we're hearing a lot about this podcast and, and the account on Instagram, how it's making a difference in some churches' lives. And so the more people that we can get kind of supporting it through this, this uh, liking and sharing, um, it will help the podcast get out to more people. And so... Saying all of that, thank you to the almost 100 people that have gone on and rated us. Um, thank you to the tens of thousands of listeners at this point that have jumped on and gotten to be a part of the podcast and the over 30, is it 32,000 followers on Instagram? 33,370. Okay, so I, mi- I missed the whole th- 2,000s, 32,000s. So, <laughs> but so we're just look, really thankful. You guys, we are. 50 50k is starting to be well within our reach but we need your help we can't we can't do do it by ourselves we need your help uh tell your friends uh go on right now find one of the memes that you like and tag your whole team in it and uh we we need because you know at 50k we reveal who you are oh man now it's starting to scare me a little bit because you know, we're, it's, it's right around the corner. It's basically it 15, 15 and change. And that's, that's nothing for our listeners. They can jump in and help us with that. Absolutely. But here's the deal. We, we promise if we get to that 50K, we'll make it worth your while. It won't just be like a picture. We will, we, we'll do something cool for it. We got some ideas brewing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like a, it's brewing like a, Breakfast burrito from 7-Eleven at 10 a.m. <laughs> I don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm tired. Yeah. So. Long weekend, but good. Yep. Well, all right, guys. We Again, we love you all, and we're just so thankful for you participating with us. And, and so until next time, see ya. Do so. Do so.